The essence of Tonga. Uh, tonight we're talking about uh, the song Jacqueline. Dr. Buff's Letter, which first appeared on The Unutterable, um, which was released uh, November 6th of 2000. And tonight we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Dan, and he's better known as Danny No on uh, the Annotated False Site. Why don't, you, why don't you kind of just explain some of what you do over at the Annotated False Site and, you know, your... your uh, you know, how, how you first became involved or t- came to know the fall and that sort of thing. Sorry, All right. I'm kind of stuttering. It's still early in the morning sort of here. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the end of the day for me. So, hello. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, I, um, I, when did I get into the fall? I, it would have been in sometime in the mid 80s, I guess. Um, I, uh, my parents had a record player, um, but they only really had the Beatles, status quo, groups like that, which I wasn't particularly interested in. Um, my mom had a, uh, she spent a year in America uh, on a teaching exchange kind of thing. And she, she'd she come back uh, with this Tom Lehrer records. That was the year that was, which I, I loved. I didn't really understand oh, it. <laughs> I didn't understand most of the references in it at the time, but it was, it just seemed like it was really funny. Um, so, so there was that. I used to go to the library in town and get loads of records out, trying to find stuff I was interested in. There was so much stuff I wasn't interested in. And I started <laughs> listening to to John Peel on the radio and I used to stick a cassette in a cassette recorder and listen to half the show and record the rest and listen back to it the next day and all of that kind of stuff. So I, 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 I'm not sure whether I first heard the fall on his show or whether it was people I knew. I did know some people who were, who were into music that most of the people weren't into. So I, it may be that I heard it from them. I, I can't remember. I, I, I'm I'm much bigger on documenting absolutely everything now than I ever was then. So <laughs> I, I there's a lot of stuff that's kind of forgotten. Um, the the first full album I ever bought was Wonderful and Frightening World of. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't think in the year of release it would have been maybe a year later something like that uh, on cassette from Woolworths in town. It's just just that would be the one they had, and so I thought, oh, I've heard of them. I'll grab that. Um, so and, and really liked it you know um and i don't remember what the second album was but I, when i went to university um the first album i bought in real time was was extricate so 19 <laughs> okay first one i bought I, um and i think i've heard one of you two say that that was the first one for you that was me extricate, I think- right it was it was the first one for me too. So both of them. Oh, that's actually. right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. But it, so it wasn't the extra K was the first one I bought kind of in real time. But it wasn't the first one I'd heard. Right. Um, right. And and I guess by then you know that you'd go into a record shop and there'd be a scattering of full records. You know, and you just pick up what you could find. I, I didn't know lots of other people that liked the full, but I knew that I really, really liked them a lot. <laughs> and um, so, but I, I was never somebody that collected absolutely everything in every format. I, I was never somebody that used to follow them around the country. I'd see them when they were in town. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I've seen them at least once every year since then, you know? Um, that's a big chunk of your life and a lot of concerts. Um 
so I yeah. through through times that were good times and through times in the early two thousands which were difficult times to be a full fan. Through <laughs> all of that, and then you know I was at one of the one of the last gigs they did. Uh, Wakefield in 2017 so just a couple before the last one it was a really great gig you know really great Um, was was Mark on stage the whole time or was that one of the shows where he was kind of hiding out in the back (laughs) he was he was um, rolled on in a wheelchair or was there I think there might have been a little lift to the side of the stage that he kind of a riser that came up and they rolled him on (laughs) Pamela rolled him on Um, and he he was on stage for a while Um, I think he spent probably quite a bit of time off stage uh, he clearly wasn't in great shape at that point right um but but I, I guess because he was sitting down and not able to wander about freely it was his vocals were probably a lot clearer and stronger than, <laughs> than they, they they might have been um uh, some, somebody shouted out you're right and he said yeah i'm fine trapped <laughs> i guess he was trapped on stage on in order to just wander off stage he had to be wheeled off so it was kind of it, it was um it was it was amazing he was there doing it and and that he hadn't made a big deal of being really clearly really seriously ill right i don't know how how much he really knew he must have known at that point um but but we didn't know as fans really i i guess you know there were rumors but um nothing was ever said publicly it wasn't um it wasn't a kind of a, a farewell tour or anything like that. Um, you know, I mean, it, it kind of felt like one, but it was never announced as one. So, so yeah, I was a full fan through all of that. And I guess I, I trained as a librarian. That was my, the first half of my career was, was, was in, uh, as a librarian. So I have particular skills that um, if you're in, if you're into bands, uh, might be useful. Um, uh, <laughs> And access to resources, you know, I, I work at a university uh, and so, you, you know, there's there's resources you've got access to that mean you can look things up and check yeah. things out and, and and that's what I'm good at um, and I enjoy doing. So um, uh, I used to contribute the odd thing to fanzines. I participate on the full online forum quite a lot um, and uh, would often be digging into the lyrics or other things about the group um just trying to find out what makes them tick really um so maybe for the last i was doing a lot you know i've, I've been busy doing bringing up a child and things that you know you don't but uh, you can, it's not like i've spent my entire life doing just this but um it's it's um it's occupied quite a lot of time now um i guess uh, now it's now it's my uh, significant hobby um, <laughs> and and uh i guess uh, there was a significant turning point when, whenever the uh, annotated fall first started when chris who you interviewed last time um uh, suggested uh, that idea and i thought it was a brilliant idea um and it began to get going and, and it gave me a somewhere to go with that stuff um, that would seem to contribute to something that would build as opposed to a post on a forum that disappears and, you know, you know, it get, gets kind of overlooked. Um, So, so uh, then you're into a situation where now there's a little bit of competition and now there's a little, there's other people who are (laughs) looking at this and, um, and that kind of makes it interesting as well. So there's been things that I'm, that I feel like uh, I'm quite proud of finding so, I mean, uh, other people look at me when I tell them this, like I'm <laughs> completely taken leave of my senses. Um, 
and some of this is just because it's funny to do as well you know i mean i i tracked down the 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 episode of the open university that interrupts paintwork um because just because oh, right. you know so so i <laughs> we now know what episode that was that he was watching and therefore when he was watching it so you can kind of you can't necessarily say the exact date because the Open University is a, is a British university that used to run entirely um, uh, uh, degrees by mail, things like that. Um, but they would have they would have groups of students in towns that might meet. Um, they would have maybe other universities would host some of their book stock. You'd, you'd have um, books, you know, textbooks that they produce. And crucially, they used to have uh, on the BBC um television programs as lectures that people would watch um, uh-huh. and and so that's what that was it was a televised lecture from this you know it's a, a now a long established university um <laughs> and and so you can they they would they would be listed in the so i what i did is um you listen to the that bit of snippet of recording and you can kind of hear what they're talking about so i thought well the open university's got an archive um, I can have a look and see whether there's any programs that sound like they cover the, the formation of stars um, uh, <laughs> and, and then ask them if they can tell me, the, give me the transcript or see if they can tell me what the actual line is because no one was ever really sure what the words really were, uh-huh. like, you know, to the degree that matters. Um, and, and, and so I was able from the newspapers to work out that it, it was either one or another broadcast of a particular episode of the Open University, contact the archive and say, have you got the transcript for this programme, which they did. And they were able to email me back and say, yeah, here's the text and here's who nice. it was that's speaking and all of this. So it's brilliant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> very and, impressive. And uh, I, th- I, I was listening to one of your earlier ones um, and I, I can't remember if it was about Cruiser's Creek or you were, or you were talking about Cruiser's Creek. Uh, and that that's the one where I managed to find out what ship that was. <laughs> right. Oh, right, right. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, think, I think your your approach to that was kind of like, um, hmm, maybe there's better ways to use your time, which there absolutely is. But, <laughs> but what a brilliant thing to be able to find out what ship they were on. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, I think you so. Know. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, no, that's great. You're not telling me there's much else that's worth doing in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, that, those are the kind of things I, I love at the site are just, uh, you know, those things. I mean, I, we might have laughed about it but <laughs> in the Cruiser Creek episode, but I think that uh, like knowing what episode of the Open University like was on paintwork is such a genius thing. It's so great just to figure that stuff out and to know that it was there, you know? Um, yeah. and, and also just as someone so i'm i'm i have a library degree but i went the evil route and i'm a corporate librarian like a records ah, person so right, right. <laughs> <laughs> i would have rather stayed in the university is just you know couldn't but um anyway so so yeah i'm 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 in probably an academic at heart a little more and so like having that stuff and having someone find that stuff is fucking genius i love it so so yeah thank you for finding that stuff just so you know <laughs> uh no I'm, I'm i'm glad you find all that stuff and uh this song so dr buck's letter seems to have a lot of stuff that if you didn't find it specifically 
which I think he did find most of it. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that people kind of added in. Um, and I think uh, the one, so one thing I kind of had a question about, and I, cause I took a quick look, but didn't see anything. And I thought this was interesting was that um, there's talk of it being compared to Joni Mitchell's song, the jungle line, just yeah. to talk about the music. And I couldn't really see, I didn't find anything specifically, but I always liked that song by her. Cause I, found it by accident by buying that out, uh, the hissing new summer lawns for a dollar at a thrift store or some time. Right. And, and I love that song. Um, and even remember playing it for some friends and they're like, what, why are you playing this, this or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the album by her. I'm not, I'm not very Joni Mitchell, uh, literate really, but no, me either. Uh, That's why that, it was that so album's always in lists of great albums. And so I must've, yeah, I, I've got it somewhere in here. Um, and and I think yeah I've always enjoyed it. It's kind of a bit strange and interesting and yeah because yeah, she because like I think the drums are from uh, like a, a a field recording or something like that if I remember right. correctly. And then like she put the moog and you know the other stuff on it. So no, I just thought that was interesting because it completely fits in with the song because I hadn't yeah I hadn't made that connection. So I just didn't know if the, if if you knew of where that connection showed up, if that was just something that someone said or if it was uh, actually someone. Yeah, I, I, I know that that's been said. Um, I, I think it might be, I don't know whether it's just because of the way the drums sound or the rhythm of it. I, I, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. It has, um, it has that crazy distorted drum sound. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think well, that's yeah, sorry. It. Yeah. I don't, I, don't think, okay. I don't think you could say it's a lift or anything like that. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's got some definite qualities that are the same, but who knows if yeah. any if anyone thought of that. But anyway, other than that, is there any place that you would like to start, Dan, like with uh, Dr. Buck's letter, just yeah. to get us introduced to it? Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's one of my favorite songs. I would never say I had a favorite. It's one of my favorite songs. And and, and it's interesting because I think it's actually quite popular in the world generally <laughs> as, as a full song. It seems to people who aren't necessarily fans of everything the fool did might like this one um, right. I, I think it kind of it doesn't sound like many other fool songs um it's got its own thing going on i think um uh it, see, it seemed you know there's a bit of a dance feel to it isn't there and um, right, right. It, it's it's got an unusual feel i think i think um it's also um there's something about the period it it, it, it was written in that that kind of period after levitate came out when the the old the old fall really has all gone and you've got a period of um almost a decade marshall's suite then the unutterable that dr book letters is dr book's letters on uh, are you a missing winner real new fall lp full heads roll reformation that that period before you get to the um, the Imperial Wax lineup for the last decade is it, kind of a difficult period. Um, the, the albums, I think, are, are really great, and I, I really enjoy them. And they've got a sound that that um, they don't all sound the same. But um, and there's peaks and troughs and and so on. But they're they're a good bunch of records. But they're made by wholly different groups. Uh, um, you know, they maybe get a couple of albums together and then they're gone. And there's there's a new group in and and that was a tricky time to be a full fan so some of those um some of the atmosphere and some of those gigs was a little bit um uh diff dark and 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 it sometimes <laughs> felt like the fall were falling apart every other year um 
which to be fair probably felt like that quite often anyway <laughs> but, but it really did then and, and and in some ways those albums are miracles of, of just keeping going um and and the unutterable um uh has got a lot of great songs i think on it and a kind of a cartoony kind of sound to it uh, i think i think it, it's one of grant showbiz's productions and, and his productions tend to be good good value uh, i mean he worked with the fall um, lots of time, times down the years, you know, he was someone that kept coming back um, and, and usually produced good results. Um, and and um, this particular song is credited to to that group. So Julian Nagel, Neville Wilding, Adam Halal, um, Tom Head. Um, and um, uh, so they all get that credit. Marky Smith for the lyrics, they all get that credit. Although... Um, apparently, um, Ben Pritchard um, was just kind of in the in the um, in the shadows at this point in the group, and he would become more important. But apparently, the the, the guitar riff in this is his. Apparently, although he's not credited for it. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, apparently, um, uh, the the um, the song itself seems to have been written by um, Adam Halal um, or Adam Bromley. I think is his real name. I think. Um, or another name he used um, are, are using Pro Tools. Apparently, I don't I don't know anything about Pro Tools, but it's composed using that. Apparently, yeah, it's just a you know simple computer composition software. Um, it's interesting listening to this song uh, last night. And you know, I'm familiar with the song, familiar with the record. I was listening to the song, um, and before that, I was listening to like a live performance of the hip hop group Clipping. Uh, which I don't know if you're familiar with them, Dan. Uh, I think you muted yourself, by the way. Um, so, yeah, if you're familiar with Clipping, the group yeah, of with, uh, David Diggs, uh, who was in the original cast of Hamilton, just for anyone listening that might not know. I was listening to like a live performance. <laughs> <of> they, <laughs> Sorry, I never realized that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were listening to a live performance of them that they filmed in January. And then I got about halfway through and I was like, yeah, I'm going to listen to, you know, I've been reading up on Dr. Buck's letter. I'm going to listen to it again. And I was like, holy shit, like they, these are very similar sounding, you know, this is very similar sounding to the productions work of clipping. And I made a mention of that on Twitter about how I want to DJ so I can try to beat match that with a clipping song. And the band actually got back to me and was like, though, these two songs are pretty close BPM wise. So think about those. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I did. And uh-huh. I did like, what are the songs on our most recent record? Like dovetails really nicely into Dr. Buck's letter. So, and, and they're a pretty pro tool, uh, proficient band pro tools, proficient band. So, Oh well. There yeah. You go. I used to use Pro Tools a lot. Uh, so yeah, it's it's an interesting recording software, and it's a pretty robust sort of. Mm. You can do a lot with it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's pretty right. interesting. But uh, around this time, it would have been pretty rare for well, still kind of rare, I think, with with uh, recording. Yeah, mostly, especially for the fall. Yeah, mostly it was just at the time like a real studio thing it wasn't some uh, you know like professional studios had pro tools because it was pretty expensive and it's gotten less so since then since more people have been using it but hmm. yeah. i was just thinking about grant showbiz who uh, who i'm a big fan of as well just from his other work from working with uh billy bragg and he recorded with the smiths and he was actually uh the smiths like live sound engineer for the majority of their career so he would yeah. tour with them so the man's really good is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. yeah so well uh, and apparently um so um 
so Adam apparently uh, composed this on Pro Tools, but but apparently its original title was Adam Goes to Canada. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> don't know. Fascinating. I don't know why that is. Uh, I don't know whether he wrote it because he was going to go to Canada or, <laughs> or whether that whether that was his original title or whether that's the title that um, MES gave it. I don't know. But um, that was the original <laughs> title, apparently, according to Ben Pritchard anyway. Um, and uh, the, the interesting thing about it is um, when it was first performed, which was in London on in May 2000, 20, 24th of May 2000, um, it, it was basically... Um, uh, nothing like um, lyrically, nothing like what eventually appeared on album on the album. Um, in other words, there were lots of the sections missing. Um, it basically, if you listen to the recording, I think it'll be out there on the YouTube or wherever. Um, if you listen to the recording, it's um, basically Marky Smith reading out the interview with Pete Tong in its entirety on stage <laughs> to to that kind of pro tools whatever it is backing backing uh, there so <laughs> um and and say I, I think he kind of says canada once or twice as well so i i don't know <laughs> uh, i don't know where the canada bit comes in but but it's basically him just reading this article out on stage um and that's the first appearance of the song um and then over time, it kind of evolves a bit more and there's these other elements start to come in. And then by the time you get to the release of the album that November, um, the, the Pete Tong bit is is quite a small section of it. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know who Pete Tong is over there. but um, I, I'm familiar, but maybe you want to explain for our listeners who Pete Tong yeah. is. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, he, he's... He, I mean, he's a, he's a DJ. He's a British DJ, dance music DJ, um, and has been for a very long time. Um, uh, and I think he's one of those people who who was on um, BBC Radio One for a long time, just as John Peel was. Um, I think I, I don't. I'm I'm not enough of a, a fictionado of dance music to know quite where to place him in things. But my understanding is that that he's 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 one of those. Um, he's kind of a populist, but he loves his music, so he will often identify things that are new and interesting and will play them. Um, so you know, I I I don't think he's offensive as DJs go. <laughs> um, I I, th I think he's he's still working after many many years so you know um he's, he's one of those people with a common touch but also some some ear for what's what's coming up and what's new as i understand it yeah he hosts uh the essential mix on bbc one which is a regular show that brings in uh djs and other musicians to do mixes for them i'm a big I'm a big fan yeah. of those, honestly. They bring in some pretty great people. And he's also behind uh, the record label FFRR, who uh, has signed a ton of artists from, like, uh, I think Fine Young Cannibals was on there for his stretch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brand New Heavies, and then, like, some more dance folks like DJ Crush and the Utah Saints and um, the DJ Sasha and Goldie. So he's kind of, like like you said, he kind of has his, his ear to the ground and, like, pretty, you know... Uh, cutting edge music i think you know like, i think he was an early proponent of jay-z as well when early on in his solo career hmm. yeah so he's um but but his interviews are banal or oh, this one is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, which i guess is an occupational hazard um the the title of course of his show the essential selection 
um, is I think important to the lyric of this song in some sense. So um, because of the line that says that uh, he uh, he reads about the essence of Tong. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's clearly a reference to his show. Um, and I think <laughs> the, the 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 banal quality of the interview kind of has kind of coincides with where where the interview came from, right? Hmm. Yeah, so th this this is one of one of one of my amazing discoveries. <laughs> um, I, for a long time, people have wanted to know where the well. We we should back up a little bit. So the, the song's kind of in three sections. You've got the first section where um, Mark Smith is saying that he's lost his temper with a friend. Uh, we don't know who the friend is or why he's lost his temper with him at all. So it manages to be simultaneously quite a personal sounding song, but also completely impersonal because there's key stuff that you never get to know <laughs> um, at all. And then there's a, a, a section in the middle where he opens a letter from a doctor. Um, and and uh, uh, there's some confusion about whether the relationship between the friend and the doctor, whether there is a relationship between the friend and the doctor, whether the doctor was the friend or whatever. Uh, it seemed to be different. But um, at any rate, the, the middle section of the song is is Mark clearly in a... In a in a low mood, um, uh, opening uh, this letter from this doctor about uh, welfare benefits report. So again, we don't we don't know what that is, why he's getting letters about that, whether it's his letter or someone else's letter, presumably his. Um, but but um, we don't know any of this. And and then the last section of the um, of the of the song is him saying he's going to cheer himself up. He puts the radio on, gets a magazine out, and he reads about the essence of Tong, which seems to be this interview with Pete Tong in this magazine. Doesn't say what the magazine is, uh, and it and it, the the section that makes it into the song is is a checklist. Um, so I, and it's kind of I never leave home without one sunglasses. I wear them all uh, all year round and seem to need them more often. It's a habit. Music, cassettes, CDs, three, Palm Pilot, etc. So there's kind of a list there. That, um, and, and for a long time, um, people were kind of wondering where this, where on earth this interview was. Was it, was it made up? Had he just invented this? Was the Tong Pete Tong? No one was quite sure about that. <laughs> Seemed likely, but no one was could be entirely sure. Um, and, and, and so there's always been this kind of little little mystery there about where this came from. And so, of course, me being me, I decided to dedicate my life to tracking it down. Like I have nothing better to do. Um, so, but but it's, a, it's the kind of thing I enjoy doing and, uh, you know, why not? And um uh, and so, you know, over the 20 years that this song's been around, uh, I was kind of dipping in and out of looking for it. Um, and um, every, you know, I'd been through, you kind of think, well, where, where is Pete Tong going to be interviewed? Well, maybe it's a music magazine. So, well, there's, an in, there's a finite number of music magazines in the world. You know the kind of time period it must have been around because um, it talks about Palm Pilots and they were fairly new then as well. So you kind of think it's not, it's going to be in the last year or so, round about the release of that album, uh, 1999, 2000, something like that. Um, so you, I looked at all the music magazines that were published in Britain around that time and there was nothing like that in them. So you kind of think, well, what else is there? So you look for all the lifestyle magazines, I wasn't finding anything. Uh, and, then, and then this recording, the bootleg of the very first performance came up. And you listen to that and there's more information there. You can hear more of what's being said. And there's a reference to 
um, the um, uh, Pete Tong doing the soundtrack for the beach uh, the movie of the book. And um, so you think, okay, well, that helps date it because he was promoting that around that time, end of 99, beginning of 2000. That narrows down the timeline. So I thought, well, how serious am I about this stuff? <laughs> 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 you know, let, let's let's do this properly. So I, I w- one thing I'd never done in my life is get a British Library card. So I got a British Library card, and and there's a there's um, an outpost at the British Library um, not too far from where I live, um, an hour or so's drive away. So um, I went up, got myself a ticket, uh, and then over, uh, kind of thought, right. Um, how do we go about looking for this? Again, there's a finite number of magazines in the world. I could just list every magazine and that's remotely likely and just check them all. <laughs> and I might have might have had to do that, but I started thinking about, well, it kind of feels like for that first performance, Marky e. Smith kind of walked off the train, walked into the gig and just read out this article. Exactly. <laughs> so, so where's he going to... So that magazine... Well, maybe that was on the train he was on. Maybe it was an onboard magazine on the train. So, okay, what train would he have been on? Well, it would have been the Manchester to London line. So that's operated by Virgin Trains. Right. So does Virgin have uh, an onboard magazine? Yes, they do. Do the British (laughs) Library have it? Yes, they do. Can I get it? Yes, I can. (laughs) So so I I went in at the beginning, I think, of August, um, well, whenever, a couple of, few years ago now, and um and and had a look at uh i thought well it, it was probably the one it was may when it, when this first performance was so it was probably the spring issue of that magazine so i went in got the spring issue and it wasn't there it wasn't there oh. uh, um, uh, but what i did find was another interview with somebody else with the same questions so with a checklist uh, ah. kind of <laughs> so i knew i knew this was the one it's just i'd got the wrong issue um the trouble is with the British Library, you can't just go in and get stuff off the shelves. You've got to order it in advance. So I, I, I had to. Um, I think I remember posting about it uh, on the fall forum and, and saying, "Well, it's going to be a few weeks before I get back." <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I, but I, a few weeks later, I went back and I ordered another couple of issues that I thought it probably was around around the right timeline. Uh, and the first one I got, um, it wasn't that one either. And the second one, it was that one. And there was the article, the interview with Pete Tong, and it was brilliant. <laughs> so, and I thought, now, now I can retire, <laughs> but, but I, um, or be more inspired to do more of this. So it was, it was a great moment. Right. So I, we, we, we now know which magazine Marky e. Smith had read. Um, now, whether or not he, the trouble is the the dating. I I, I made a note somewhere of what the dating of of that was, and it's it's just slightly earlier than spring so he must have held on to it for a while before walking on stage and reading it out and then incorporating it into the lyrics he, wow. he must have had it lying about unless someone just sent it in because it was funny um because it just would have been a an issue or two later than the, the date of the magazine that it was in so um <laughs> so there you go that is a, it was a great adventure <laughs> that is amazing and that's why I really feel like I should have gotten a library degree so I could, you know, go down those research rabbit holes like that. Very good. It is. Yeah, it's very great. <laughs> you know, it makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I've done worse in my life. I, I <laughs> there were, there were, I, um, there was, um, there was a discussion on the full forum once about how tall Marquis e. Smith was. Wow. And, and cause some people say, well, he seems like six foot or something like that. And other people say, no, nowhere near. I'm, you know, Mark, Mark Riley's this toy doesn't seem that as tall as him. But the, the, I, there was a photograph of Mark Smith against a wall, against a lamppost in a, in a, under, in a subway in uh, kind of underneath a railway bridge in Salford. And you can see the number of bricks uh, <laughs> against him as he's standing against the wall. It's on a slight incline. Uh, but but I, I said, well, we ought to be able to work out how tall he is from the size of the bricks and, and where he's coming to against this wall. And so somebody else posted that they, they thought they knew what size of brick it was, and we kind of could work out his size. <laughs> but then it's kind of like, well, but he's on an incline, and maybe he's not stood against the wall <laughs> quite flat. <laughs> so so I, I, I visited Salford once with a tape measure, and I, 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 to, I managed to identify the railway bridge that he was standing under where this photograph was taken just by a process of elimination of looking on Google Maps at every railway bridge in Salford until I found the one that he was under. And then I, I in, 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 as evening was drawing in, standing under a railway bridge in Salford with a measuring tape, working out what brick his head had reached against the lamppost. <laughs> and you kind of think, well, this is kind of funny to oh, do, man. but it's also quite disturbing. At some point, self-parody turns into dementia of some kind. I don't, it's kind of, <laughs> so th this was mild. At least, at least the library was warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you at least recreate the picture, Dan? No, I didn't. Oh, no, well. no. I've got a photograph <laughs> of me with my thumb against the wall with the measuring tape. That's, that's, I, that's, I was going to say that's the yeah, that's the best picture, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's kind of um, it's a song of three parts. You've got a. It seems like a very personal song for the fall. There's not a lot of songs like that, I think. He doesn't sing about himself a lot. And, well, maybe he's not singing about himself in this song either, but, you know, he's using I. Uh, right. Yeah. Is him. Probably is. Well, well there's, a, there's another thing here um, on the Annotated Fall that says that it kind of, the opening kind of echoes a William Blake poem. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. What's, was there any sort of... I mean, we've covered him talking about our, you know, songs, a couple of songs now about William Blake, including WB from this album. Um, yeah. So we, so we, so everybody knows like he's a big fan of William Blake. So was there ever something conclusive about whether or not that was actually true, or does it just kind of look enough like that that it's like, yeah, he might have actually taken that from, you know. Well, one of the dangers of doing what I do, kind of fall lyric archaeology, is, is that you start to see the fall in everything. Right. <laughs> and, and, or or you, you start to see everything in the fall. Um, so you, you, you've you got to be careful. I, I think, um, that, that, yeah, it, it comes, I think the poem is A Poison Tree by William Blake. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, um, and it's, it begins, I was angry with my friend, I told my wrath, my wrath did end. I was angry with my foe. I told it not, my wrath did grow. Um, and it, it's a poem that was also used in a Blur song, I think, as well. Um, right. That's what, yeah. Uh, I'm not years, a big, years I, before. I don't, I don't know much about Blur. Sorry. No. I, uh, no. <laughs> no I, I was no. into American rock more than the Blur. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. There's some areas of Blur that sound a bit like American rock. Yeah, Very yeah, no, Very true. true. Yeah, well, no. I, so, so you kind of you, you kind of read the the lyrics to Doctor Book's letter, particularly that first section um, of of those lyrics, and you kind of think, yeah, there's an echo. There's an echo of that, isn't there? Because uh-huh. the the first bit of um, of Doctor Book's letter is um, well. Let me bring this up here, unless you've got it to hand. Um, I lost my yes, temper I, with a friend, yeah. mocked him and treated treated him with rudeness. So you kind of you kind of think I lost my temper with a friend. I was angry with my friend. Sounds a bit similar, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you can kind of say there's an echo. Whether it's an intentional echo, I don't know. But but we know yeah. that we know that Mark Smith liked William Blake. So uh, is it WB? Is it WB in the running order of that album close to Doctor Buck's letter? Yeah, Actually, let me check. Yeah, it's a, it's the third song on the unutterable, and Doctor Buck's letter's the fifth, so very close. Oh, uh, okay. I was thinking they ran into each other, but I guess not. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, I think I think you're justified in seeing an echo. I would say, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. okay. And, and given just, that there's other William Blake references nearby, is kind of you know, that's a clue, <laughs> yeah. It? yeah, yeah, it kind of kind of helps in that. Um, yeah. and, and I can I can definitely see how that's a problem with the fall because I don't know half the time. Half the time, it's like uh, whenever I hear his lyrics, I I start free associating with what that could mean. Sometimes, at least yeah. from stuff in my life, uh, so I know like one time. I think it was when we were doing, oh uh, shoot, which was it, Garden? Or, yeah. Or, uh, is that the one that ends with Jew on a motorbike? I can't yes, remember. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 So for some reason, it just reminded me of the funds from Happy Days. Because <laughs> <laughs> the guy, because the guy that, was, that played the funds is Jewish. And, and for some reason, I just thought of, the fawns for whatever reason it was around the same time too but you know i have i've no not idea. heard that before <laughs> yeah i have no idea if uh if that show was even on in in england at that point i mean might have been but but yeah so it's just always kind of a trap sometimes for me at least is wondering exactly what has happened with uh or you know trying to figure out sort of the basis of what Mark is talking about. So I just, I didn't know. Um, and I think also I'll ask you my dangerous question now. So, cause, <laughs> cause I was thinking of this today. I mean, and I know, so before I ask it, I know that most of the songs don't have this, but do you think there's like an overarching storyline or theme to this song in any sort of way? Mm. It's it's well. It kind my, of my brain was trying to find something. I think this morning, and I was just like, "But that never happens." But then there's some stuff in there that's kind of, and I I haven't fully thought it through. I guess because uh, I wasn't sure, but it just seems like there's a lot of friendship and 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 uh, you know, or, or anger in in the song with a friendship, and then remorse, and then kind of this weird listing of sort of the technology of the time right so yeah was he trying to say something larger than just these three things that he threw together in a song well mm. 
Um, I know it's it's a little rough, and 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 that's why I also think you know if you want to just call me a fool and uh, we move on, then that's fine too. Because I'm not sure. No, I mean I think I I think I think um, it's an obvious question to ask. You would ask it about any other lyricist, wouldn't you? You 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 would you you the the way he often wrote, and I think he wrote in different ways in in his career. Um, So he he's got songs that are kind of stories that kind of follow a to b um, yeah. with some i mean he usually leaves something out that's crucial that just makes it destabilize <laughs> you know um th- there's lots of songs that you kind of oh that's you know wings um specter versus rector they're story songs but there's usually right, something right. that just kind of makes it a little bit that wouldn't if you wrote that as a short story it wouldn't quite work but it works really well as as a lyric right so so he he, he and 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 I th- I th- he evolved these processes, I guess, over time, and used different processes. I, I think what you've got here is um, clearly we know that that there's a whole bit of text there that he was using right from the beginning of that song, uh-huh. um, and that song was originally called "Adam Goes to Canada," nothing to do with friends, as far as we know, or anything. <laughs> and he's just right. reading out this article, an interview that amused him somehow. So he's then attached that, presumably. Presumably, it had nothing whatsoever to do with this friend, but maybe he hadn't fallen out with this friend at this point. <laughs> we don't know. Right, right. Maybe he had another song that he was working on um, that wasn't quite worked out enough to do live yet. And so uh-huh. he's, he's got, it kind of feels to me like he's got this bit about a friend and he's got this bit about Pete Tong and he's just shoved them together. And it works, though. That's the thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter that they're completely separate bits. You put them together. It's it's kind of I, I hesitate to call it a cut up technique because I that's a, a specific kind of thing, but he's right. taking things that don't necessarily relate, but they become related by the virtue of singing them in the song. Um, uh-huh. So it almost doesn't matter what he means by it. It has that effect anyway. I think. Right. Um, I think you you could take a song like Hostile. I don't know if you know Hostile, which is another one um, where I found the sources to it. There's there's a bit of it. Um, the early mixes of it are just him saying how that it, that it hostile over and over again, just as a phrase. Uh, and then, the, but but then when it gets onto onto the album, there's a section that's taken from a newspaper article about a kind of a Catholic sect, um, and there's a section uh, about. Um, uh, some somewhere called Brooklyn's and a whole bunch of stuff that seems to be disconnected. But you put them together and you get something really weird and strange that kind of takes on its own identity, right. even though they might have been original. Well, we don't know, but might have been originally separate things and separate sources. Uh, uh-huh. And I think he does that a lot. It's a bit, I, I was reading something the other day about the way blues lyrics were written. They were written out of, um, they weren't necessarily a, a clear linear um, theme to them. They would, they they wouldn't always uh, one verse wouldn't necessarily follow into the other they would be might be disconnected they would draw images and lines from other songs and yeah end up with something new and different by doing that and i think yeah. that's the way he wrote he t- he was a magpie as a lyricist he he took film lines lines from tv shows lines from newspapers lines from magazines threw them all together um perhaps he you know he might have had a theme in mind and he just thinks that line will fit um and and these things then take on their own meaning. Um, yeah. We don't necessarily know what he meant, <laughs> whether he meant anything by it. Um, sure, sure. You know, and uh, you, so we're, we're kind of, you have to work with what you've got. So, so it's not a stupid question to ask. 
because you would ask <laughs> about any other lyricist. Uh, right, right. Is, is, there a, is there a clear theme to this song? Yeah. Or is it just unrelated elements? I, I think that, I, I think that, um, well, it's, it's something that I think about a lot in his songs, especially the ones that seem so disparate. Uh, you know, just have disparate sort of verses to them. And, and, I, and I call it a dangerous question because I do know that. But for some reason, this one seems so, seems a little more like a little less like, <clears throat> I don't know, sort of sort of the uh, word version of pareidolia where people are like trying to make a face out of something, you know, so you're trying to right. put your own sort of sense on of what this is about on something that he might have just thrown together in five seconds before because he just had certain pieces of paper. Um, or he might have, you know, actually thought about it and put those three things together because he, he did that a lot too. But it just, this one just feels like there's something else to the story. Yeah, I, I don't think this him. is random. I don't think yeah. he's put these things together randomly. <clears throat> they may be unrelated elements originally, but he's put them together because they work together. Um, yeah. If you if you think of that William Blake poem, and what's, you know, that's, that's about... Um, uh, you're angry with your friend, you express it, that's the end of the matter. You're angry with your enemy, you don't tell them and you end up murdering them. So that's <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and this, this song is about him losing his temper with his friend, uh, being really depressed about it, reading some letter about welfare benefits and feeling even more depressed, and then cheering himself up. Um, right. <laughs> by reading this ludicrous magazine interview. And um, that feels like it does hang together as a as a way yeah. your day might go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I was going to say it seems like something that would happen, um, like as a, in, a, in a certain time. It's not necessarily about a maybe an idea, but it's just these kind of this this time where he's on the train. He does these these two things come up that he's thinking about, and then he finds this article about Pete Tong, and then that becomes sort of the. Uh, the movement of the song and as he's moving through whatever. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, it was yeah. just something that was popping into my brain this morning. Sorry, Bob, I keep talking. No, no, it's <laughs> totally fine. No, I mean, it just, it does track just to seem how, you know, sort of getting over whatever, you know, sadness about upsetting his friend, any bad news he might've gotten in the mail and then feeling better about himself reading this article about someone that he clearly disdained or like read this thing. It was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Like who, who gives a shit about whether this guy's got a Palm pilot or what, how many CDs he brings with him. I mean, this guy's, a, you know, he's a DJ. I'm sure he looked down on those folks who were like, you know, the pop DJs at the time, like, you know, your, your Pete Tongs, your Danny Ramplings, et cetera. <laughs> well i don't know i mean it's kind of um i i think the 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 fact that the magazine is a railway magazine is kind of neither here nor there it's right, kind of, uh, right. Uh, the, the way the song is it feels like he's got up there's been a letter he's well he's got up he's in a pretty bad mood anyway because of this friend of his who he's lost his temper with for whatever reason we don't know um and uh, and then there's this letter, which is bad news in some respect, or just you know, I don't, we don't know, do we? But um, uh, and then and then cheering himself up like it's like it's a magazine that just happens to be in his house. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not. Um, it, it feels like that works, and it, and it kind of follows a little bit the theme of a poison tree, the William Blake poem. There, you know, he's he he, see, he appears to have. Um, have expressed his anger <laughs> and now and now he's kind of getting over it by by reading magazine articles quite quite what his friend would have thought having heard this i don't know because it, it it's 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 there's kind of a weird 
a weirdness to the way the words work in it. I'm not sure quite how to express it. So that first bit of the lyric, the, the, it's, it's, it's written in a, in a quite elaborate way, isn't it? Um, I, lo I lost my temper with a friend, mocked him and treated him with rudeness. And though I tried to make amends, feel I miss him and walk a dark corridor. Um, and then you get lines about at least so we can recompense our betrayal of our hard one. That is not the way he usually wrote lyrics. Right, right. Just not that. That's a very deliberate way of writing that stuff. It, it feels um, not. Do I mean formal? Just it feels quite flowery in a way. Yeah, you know, it just, feels yeah. these these are long words. He's 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 doing something deliberate by using words like that in that way. So like abeyance um, showing up, vulgar and arrogant abeyance to what was untrue under Letha parlance. It's well, it yeah. sounds like Victorian or something yes. like that. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. So he's it's way more overly formal than someone within what what was now the 21st century would have used. I think is <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the one that always gets me every time he gets to it is the word rudeness. Mocked yeah. him and treated him with rudeness. It's like that's that's just uh, that's kind of this odd. I don't know. It doesn't ever sit right, but I know exactly what he's doing and saying there but there's something there that always throws me off there yeah. in a good way i think yeah. so yeah and, and then at the end of the song you get this banal interview with a dj so you go from right <laughs> from one kind of text to another kind of text which is this doctor's letter which he doesn't really read anything of and then mm -hmm. and then pete tong so you're going <laughs> you're going through three different types of text there you see it's mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting um in that respect to me as well uh, yeah. in, live he he sometimes threw in references to um i, for, I forget the line it's something like i i have the disease rhinocerosis he right. used to throw that in live in this song now there is no disease rhinocerosis so <laughs> I, I, I i used I to read, i read that this I read that this morning. Sorry, D yeah. down in on the on the page. Yeah, so I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, I, I was looking up whether the, whether there was a I, the nearest I could get is some kind of nasal condition, rhinitis or something like that. But um, I'm not sure that you'd be getting welfare benefit reports about that. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I, and it it's kind of. I also wondered if 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 the rhinoceros thing might have been something to do with. Um, is it, is it Eugene Ionescu play the rhinoceros? Is that the one? I something That's like right. that. Yeah. So I wondered if it might be something to do with that, but then I don't know what that has to do with the song either. So um, <laughs> that's probably that's probably a red herring. But it's fun to think about these things. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, the the part that I kept getting stumbling on reading some of the stuff about the song was this idea of of Doctor Box and Doctor Books being some sort of homophone for the like, uh, uh, and is that something that I'm missing? Some sort of British thing about doctor books that I'm, that I'm not understanding. Uh, possibly. Um, I, I suppose a dodgy accountant, you might call them doctor books. Oh yeah. Doctor there you go. Books, right. The books being the accounts. Yeah. Wow. That just opens up a whole this... line of thought about this song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think a lot of that just comes out of people not knowing who Dr. Books is and trying to find meaning there. So, you know, we've, we've checked all the medical records looking for somebody of that, a doctor of that name. We've done that. There isn't one. Um, so <laughs> along those lines, uh, there's something on the page a little later that says, 
uh, it has all gone Pete Tong is ramming sling for it is all gone wrong or something like that. Is that yeah, apparently something yeah. true? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, it is. Yeah, there, there was a film, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, oh, I just, I've never seen it, but yeah, uh, it was it was kind of a rhyming slang thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's about a it's DJ who starts going deaf. Is the 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 plot line of the movie? Right. Uh. Yeah. No, well, I, I think the, the Doctor Books thing. Um, I it, it kind of the details of who the friend is and who the Doctor are clearly don't really matter, you know, and it's none of our business, is it? But um, clearly, people have been speculating about you know. Uh, all of those kinds of things um and um i think julia nagel in uh, in the um in the press release for the album commented that it was about a, a friend a doctor's letter um and an interview with a, D, a a magazine interview with a dj so you kind of feel like the the friend and the doctor are different but um there have been theories that the doctor and the friend are the same person but it doesn't don't kind of feel like that um from, from what we can tell but but it kind of doesn't matter. Um, so I, I think people have played with all kinds of um, meanings behind Doctor Books, whether it's you know something to do with dodgy accountants, um, or whether it's uh, whether it's, some people had a theory it was to do with Charles Bukowski at one point. And I I I made the mistake of reading every poem Bukowski ever wrote. Oh my God! It. I can't and believe you survived that. Wow! I, I, it turns out I really hate everything that Bukowski ever wrote. So <laughs> I, if I never read another word of Bukowski, it'll be too soon. I just I don't know what re reputation Bukowski has in the states, but the reputation in my uh, house is really low. I think there's certain sort of dirtbag uh, people who like literature that really really love his yeah. work, but he just, or just people from LA. Yeah, there you go. Like, you know, I had I had my you know dad with his work when I was sort of in my late teens, early 20s. And I think that's the time you want to read his stuff because you want to, especially if you come from a small <laughs> right. town where you're like, oh, yeah. that must be what big town life is really like in the big cities. And oh man, doesn't that, this kind of a weird glamour to this sort of like ridiculous, filthy lifestyle this guy was living. But you know, it's like once reading you, Kerouac. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pump the brakes there, pal. But yeah, I, I you know, but once you start growing out of it, 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 it you know, the stuff reads much differently for sure. Yeah, whether that's the doctor's real name or uh, or some kind of variation on the name, maybe it is. Um, people have said that who who are in a position to perhaps know more about the personal circumstances that that it's something similar to the doctor's name or something like that. But it doesn't really matter. But um, uh, no, I think it's literally the letter from the doctor about welfare benefits, as it says <laughs> in, in in the song. Um, uh, at any rate, we may as well take it to be that. Um, there, there, right. There's again, there's additional lines sometimes when you when you hear live bootlegs of of the song that perhaps give a little bit more um, context, but nothing helpful <laughs> in terms of. And, and actually, you you can you kind of get what the song is saying uh, without needing to know those that that the degree of and. and you know, there's nothing I can do that will ever find that, you know, <laughs> the, the only way we'll ever get to know things like that is there's somebody who knows will might tell us one day, you know, right. uh, but there's not, I'm not going to find that anywhere, you know? 
So yeah. I have a question about the the live performances of this song because I, I have to admit I only know this song from the the yeah. unutterable version. I mean, are they very different than what ended up on the record? Is is he play? Is he you know singing over a backing track? I mean, how how does that work? Um, I, I think that. Um, whoa, I should have listened to all of all the versions I had before I did this podcast. <laughs> um, the, the the first one, that very first one in May two thousand, I think it, it it's that kind of backing track there, um, and um, and him reciting the uh, the article over it. But I think later versions. Um, they kind of drop that element of it, the, the kind of the, the booming bass stuff. Um, uh, you don't hear that so much. And I think it's uh, the guitar becomes much more of a thing. So it doesn't, it sounds quite different for some of the later live performances, certainly. Okay. Uh, I was just trying, I did listen to some a little while ago from later on that year. And quite quickly, the kind of really kind of electronic sound gets dropped. Um, and um, I can't remember when Adam Halal left the band um but um I, I guess things would have to change because some of the personnel change anyway they they only played it maybe for five years or you know they, they played it pretty intensively for four or five years and then it kind of disappeared and they only played it once or twice and then it disappeared i think was it 2006 or something 2007 2008 they stopped they never they played it once in one of those years and never again so yeah i'm um, looking at but yeah this. it was much more guitar focused i think okay yeah because i'm looking at, at this site now that sort of lists out you know the the where these where the song was played at these different gigs and it was from like 2002 2003 and 04 it was you know played pretty regularly but then dropped yeah. pretty soon after that yeah yeah that's right yeah 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 um, so yeah, it's, it, it does sound very different um, on on most of the live recordings I've heard. I think um, they they tried it um, more album like to begin with, perhaps. But um, uh, I'm trying to think of if I if I ever heard it in that time period. I must have done, but I I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think I did see them here in '03, and I I'm you know looking at this site, they did play the song at Seattle at the gig before, like I think the night after the Portland one, but I, I don't remember the song from right. that gig at all. So, Yeah. The, the other interesting thing about live performances, apart from that he kept throwing in these additional lines from the doctor's letter and the lines about rhinocerosis and, <laughs> and, and, and he, 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 he would occasionally drop into singing the Captain Beefheart song, Drop Out Boogie. Oh, right? really? Interesting. Um, yeah, and it kind of fits. <laughs> he was he would start you, you can kind of there's some similarity of, of I don't know of rhythm or something there that, that you can kind of see why he would do that. Um but that but yeah, I was lis- I was listening to someone you kinda of, oh and now he's now he's singing dropout boogie. I don't I don't oh why is that? I don't know. But but that that I was thinking about that recently and it, it kind of struck me and I was talking about the blues earlier that that Actually, another thing, apart from William Blake, that this song is reminiscent of, is that blues song, Death Letter. Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah? Sunhouse song. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's got, um, you know, I woke up one morning and what, what did I, whatever the, you know, however that goes. Um, and this song's got, woke up one morning, Dr. Book's Letter. There you go. So yeah, that's, yeah. It, that's I, I reckon he's got one eye on, death letter there as well wow um, 
There you go. That's scoop of the day. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't posted this to annotated fall yet. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say as well that I think um, it's interesting, given the kind of lyricist that Mark Smith was, uh, how many songs, which isn't many, but how many songs there are about friendship in his corpus. You see, you've got this one. You've got Entitled, which I think you've talked about before. Uh, yeah. On your, on your yeah, podcast. Uh, you've got Friends. You've got um, Vixen, which which is a Bricksmith lyric, really. But um, So it's just interesting to me that given the kind of reputation Mark Smith had for curmudgeonliness, <laughs> he nonetheless sang about friendship and apparently in quite win ways so right maybe do uh, a series of uh, podcasts on friendship and marky smith at some point <laughs> <laughs>